present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Nittleton. Hello, hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week at the Wales Millennium Centre in the fine city of Cardiff. The people of Wales have made a contribution to world events far out of proportion to the size of their population. <laughs> Evidence that the Wales settled in America was discovered in 1792 by the English explorer Stanley Richardson, who found a tribe of fair-skinned, blue-eyed people who lived in wigwams and spoke a form of Welsh. Although they only did that when he turned up. <laughs> This tribe, known as the Medogwis, not only taught Richardson how to prepare their native dish of melted cheese on toast, <laughs> but also showed him how to make fires to send smoke signals. Sadly, Richardson was a bit slow on the uptake, and they quickly ran out of English holiday cottages. <laughs> the notorious Chicago gangster Al Capone wasn't Welsh, but his right-hand man, Machine Gun Murray, was. Murray was the gang's fixer of leading politicians and became boss for a while when Capone was in prison. Murray died in 1937 of herpes. <laughs> you don't normally die of herpes, but you did if you gave it to Al Capone's wife. <laughs> we couldn't come to Cardiff without a mention of their fine football team. Although a fiercely proud Welsh team, Cardiff City play in the English League despite the language barrier. But they're, <laughs> but they're gradually getting to grips with Italian and Portuguese. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. They are on my left. Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. And on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Rob Bryden. And please, please welcome our very own tasty Welsh rarebit, our scorer, the ever-delightful Samantha. Okay, we begin with an educational round this week called Uxbridge English Dictionary. There are those who are ignorant of the difference in meaning between apparently similar terms. For example, some have no concept of the subtle distinction between the words prosperous and comfortable. Well, those of us who benefited from a classical education and therefore understand the derivations of these terms know that prosperous defines one who has amassed a large amount of money and material possessions, whereas comfortable painted the hayway. However, words are constantly changing their meaning, so I'd like the teams to share any new definitions they may have spotted recently. Graham, you can start. Granule. Santa Claus's mother. <laughs> Suitable. A cow. <laughs> Suitable, you see. It's, uh, Suitable, yes. Pastiche. 
what Sean Connery eats in Cornwall. Rob. Dictaphone. <laughs> Someone you don't like calling. There's, there's also asshole. Suddenly remembering the capital of South Korea. <laughs> Bronco dilator, a very old horse. <laughs> Audi A4. <laughs> what you say when you drop a heavy ream of paper on your foot. <laughs> There's also Trinidad, the reply to the question, which of those two fashion experts do you fancy, son? Twinge, what Sean Connery calls children of a shame age. Cruise control, Scientology. Windbreak, backward fart. <laughs> And uh, benign, what it'll be after eight. <laughs> Suitable, a cow. What, what, what about ski lift, the elation you feel after eating a yoghurt? <laughs> and uh, there's knee pads, Scottish turnip commercials. Aberdare to challenge Benny, Bjorn, Agnetta and Annafrid. <laughs> Creme brulee, the crematorium's on fire. <laughs> the teams are going to sing for us now in the game we call One Song to the Tune of Another. Probably the easiest way to understand this is to think of a song as a pair of trousers. The trousers represent the words which are carried along by the legs, or tune. Periodically, the trousers or words might be replaced with a different pair. And this is the clever part, teams, because often they aren't the same length. And then the words, then the words don't quite fit the tune. But I hear you retort, isn't there extra material at the hem which can be used to add length? And how far can you go? Could you extend a pair of football shorts to the ankle? <laughs> you could, but it would be the biggest letdown ever. <laughs> At the piano, Colin Sell. <laughs> okay, Tim, I'd like you to sing the words of Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus <laughs> to the tune of that lovely Welsh song, The Ash Grove. She rings my bell and I got a gym class in half an hour 
Oh, how she rocks in kids and tube socks And she doesn't know who I am And she doesn't give a damn about me Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby Just a teenage dirtbag Listen to Iron Maiden Baby with me Her boyfriend's a dick He brings a gun to school And he'd simply kick my ass If he knew the truth Your turn, Barry. I'd like you to sing the words of A Walk on the Wild Side to the tune of We'll Meet Again. <laughs> Holly came from Miami, FLA Hitchhiked away across the USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way shaved her leg and then he was a she she says hey babe take a walk on the wild side said hey honey take a walk on the wild side candy came from out on the island in the back Room. She was everybody's darling But she never lost her head Even when she was giving head Your turn, Rob. I'd like you to sing the words of Anarchy in the UK to the tune of Just When I Needed You Most. <laughs> I am an antichrist, I am an anarchist, don't know what I want, but I know how to get it, I want to destroy. The passerby, cause I I wanna be anarchy And no dog's body Anarchy for the UK It's coming sometime And maybe I give a wrong time I wanna be anarchy In the city is this the MPLA or is this the UDA or is this the IRA? And finally, Graham, I'd like you to sing the words of Shut Up, You Face by Joe Dolce to the tune of Morning Has Broken. Oh, when I was a boy 
just about a fifth grade. Mama used to say, don't stay out a date. With the bad boys always shoot a pool. Giuseppe don't flunk a school. And Mama used to say, what's the matter you? Hey, got no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's not so bad. It's a nice place. I shut up your face. Okay, we're going back in time now with a round called DIY 70s Cop Show. This, this game is a tribute to the popular TV series Life on Mars, in which a chap goes into a deep coma at the beginning of the series and keeps waking up to find himself in 1973. They've stolen my life. <laughs> in this round, I'd like you to come up with a 1970s cop show drama. The 70s were much simpler times, long before the age of the hoodie and the asbo. These days, it's even necessary to send grumpy grannies to prison. But I noticed that that 85-year-old who was put away successfully appealed against her sentence and had it reduced from six months to life. <laughs> okay, teams, I've furnished each of you with a selection of sound effects common to the 70s detective genre, which you should play in yourselves. To indicate the end of the round, I'll do this with my horn. <laughs> very, very impressive. <laughs> I hope I still have a horn when I'm your age. Huh? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, start us off, please, Tim. Right. Hi, I'm Tyler, Timbrook Tyler, but you can call me Bonnie. Hi, <laughs> right, Bonnie, you're late. Sorry, I was lost in France. You. You. Puff. <laughs> Inspector, sir. What is it? I've brought the tea trolley in, sir. <laughs> you brought tea, you. you other puff. <laughs> what? what? What have you brought tea for? To celebrate, sir. I've had a tip off. <laughs> have you, Goldberg? <laughs> well. <laughs> well, out with it. <laughs> oh, all right, sir. Hey, hang on. Who's this? I'm Tyler, but you can call me Bonnie. <laughs> you, you look a bit peckish, Bonnie. Here, have something from the trolley. Well, what is it? It's a hard egg. What? Nothing but a hard egg? <laughs> <laughs> what? Watch it, Gladys, you <laughs> woman. <laughs> Oh, Gov, they're planning a raid on the payroll at the empty cardboard box factory. <laughs> the empty cardboard box factory? <laughs> Come on, let's go. Get in the Jaguar. <laughs> on second thoughts, get in the Panda. <laughs> <laughs> the Panda's doing impressions, Gov. <laughs> let's use the car. Oh, good idea. Yeah. 
Watch out, Bonnie Tyler. You might get run over by those three blokes on that three-seated bicycle. Goodies, goody, goody, oh, oh. <laughs> Two of them are really quite good-looking. <laughs> Oi, Oddie, are you looking at my bird? <laughs> you... Puff. <laughs> well, here we are at the factory. What's that coming out of the shadows? Well, well, well. <laughs> it's the boys in blue. Well, well, well. It's the hard man Higgins in his velvet jacket and... Flares. <laughs> Pair of flares. You'll never take me, Olive. Sorry. You'll never take me alive. <laughs> Well, 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 look out. He's got a shooter, a stabber, a knocker-outer. He's got a bloody piano. Well done, Tyler. You knocked it out of his hand, you... You poof. Right. Interrogation time. Strap him to the chair. Right. Right, you nonce. Oh, it's not working. Pin his eyes open. Gladys, turn it on. I'll talk. <laughs> okay. Now. Rising amongst the self-help guides in my local bookshop recently, I noticed a volume called Window Dressing for Dummies. This prompted the thought that... Uh, <laughs> this prompted the thought that there ought to be more guides to self-improvement. I know that Graham recently tried to publish his book called Teach Yourself Fire Eating, but health and safety came down on him like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and had to prosecute themselves. <laughs> However, Tim's guide to the correct use of Vaseline won this year's prize for non-friction. <laughs> and I'm pleased to be able to report that Rob's latest book on telekinesis has been flying off the shelves. <laughs> However, we thought it'd be a good idea to bring the classics to the masses in a more accessible form. With this in mind, the teams are going to present their pocket versions of books, plays, films, TV programs, etc., in the shortest possible form. And I'm going to ask you, Tim and Rob, to start. Uh, we're doing a version of Waiting for Godot. Do you think he'll come? Probably not. <laughs> Barry and Graham. Uh, yeah, the condensed version of King Lear. Yep. Oh. I'm going to leave it all to the girls. You must be mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Die hard. Look at the state of your vest. Oh. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you.
We just got a cut-down version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Arr! Arr! Oh, arr! Arr! What's going on? I got no idea. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Every time I put this ring on, I become invisible. Oh, I'd take it back if I was you. <laughs> the teams are set now to revive the art of letter writing. It was one letter written from war-torn Africa by a French doctor to his colleagues in Paris that sparked the foundation of the international aid organization, Médecins Sans Frontières. And what a difference their aid workers have made in crisis areas. Trying to run up greasy slopes wearing huge papier-mâché heads. <laughs> okay, team. Okay, teams, I'd like you to take it in turns to improvise the correspondence between two famous historical figures, Tim and Rob. I'd like you to start by composing a letter from Florence Nightingale to Lord Cardigan, and then Barry and Graham will come up with a reply, and so on. It's the and so on bit that bores me to death. <laughs> however, however, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panelist alternating one word at a time. When I honk, it's the end of the correspondence. Now, that sounds dreadful, doesn't it? <laughs> When I honk, I said, no, that sounds worse. <laughs> when, I, when I honk, it's the end of the correspondence. Off you go, Tim and Rob. Dear Lord Cardi, I hope you are well and wish to tell you in deepest, deepest confidence that I plan to start a big family. This is not what I intended to do, but I just didn't plan this thing at the time of the planning. If you are getting horny at the thought of me having a baby, then you could be coming <laughs> with a large set of pliers for <laughs> a uh, visit to the sumptuous and yet strangely cold and yet strangely inviting place that I call home. If you don't come to see me, I will kill myself. Yours lovingly, Florence. Dear Nightingale, <laughs> I am furious at your letter because it was delivered to me by hand <laughs> and it contained the news that you were intending to 
produce a large family. Therefore, I intend to sue you because I was very <laughs> concerned to find that I am pregnant. <laughs> I hope you will soon be learning to fend, to fend <laughs> for five <laughs> and will ensure that you will remain your pristine and pure and <laughs> unsullied whilst Still and <laughs> continually fresh and somehow <laughs> debauched, <laughs> yet <laughs> fragrant, although <laughs> louche, <laughs> self, yours very angrily, Lord Cardi. <laughs> Well, I notice, I notice it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time. No, there's just time to fit in a final round, which has been sent in by a listener, Hazel Hall, who writes, we've been playing this for years with great hilarity. The idea is to list what you can buy in the ornithologist corner shop. However, before you start, team, Samantha has to nip down to the corner shop to complain about their standard of newspaper delivery. They keep leaving a newspaper on the step, but Samantha says she likes to start the day by pulling her daily mail through the letterbox. <laughs> so, teams, your suggestions, please, of items that might be stocked by a corner shop devoted to the needs of ornithologists. Graham, will you start, please? Uh, yes, a tin of Tayton Lyle golden chirrup. Also some tomato soup, two cans for the price of one. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a pheasant change. Can I pidge in with this one? Um, yeah. If you're thirsty, some PG tits. <laughs> Lapwing <Yeah>. souchon. <laughs> some underarm cormorant. <laughs> There's some feminine hygiene supplies, sanitary owls with wings. <laughs> Sweets for the kids, curly whirlies. <laughs> curly whirlies. Yeah. Oh, top shelf, some gully mags. <laughs> Lots of tits. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Peregrine wellies. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the florist of time takes a daffodil out of her vase. And the greengrocer of fate takes a leak out of his window. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team, Samantha, myself, and the fine folk here in Cardiff, it's goodbye. Barry 
Cryer, Graham Garden, Tim Brooke Taylor and Rob Dryden were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. <laughs> And Humph and the team will be back at the same time next week.